Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome in to Leather Brains, your host here, Slapdog. It is Monday evening. For those of you watching live, of course, you know that. But for those that don't, it's Tuesday. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Slapdog. I'm joined here today by Alan Casanova Castro and Scotty Del Rey. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How was week four? How was your NFL weekends? It was full of football and delicious. I loved it. I loved every second of it. The highs and the lows still bring me just as much joy because I think back to just a few weeks ago when we didn't have football at all. That's a good point. That's a really good I point. think <clears throat> each week I tell myself my mood is not going to be dictated by how my fantasy <laughs> football teams perform. And each at the end of each weekend, I lied to myself one way or the other, like, I get blown out. It doesn't matter. There's more important things in life. And then I'm winning in most of my leagues. It's like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Genius. <laughs> okay, I knew it. Honestly. Everybody gather around. Children, come look at dad. <laughs> it make, I get it, though. Like, And it sucks because it shouldn't matter. Like, it, We're watching grown men play a sport, and we're playing a game off of a game that they play, but it does matter. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this podcast is to help those people win those games so on Sunday they don't have to be mad and send their kids to their room without dinner because they lost in fantasy football. So that's what we're here for. So today, of course, week four wrap-up. So we, we obviously the Monday night game has not happened yet, so we will not be touching that. We will do that on Wednesday's episode. But we have so much to unfold here. We got studs and duds, injury update, our or excuse me, our MVP of the week. We have some noon game cleanup as well as the afternoon windows. We're going to be answering your questions live at the end of the episode. So go over on YouTube if you are uh, watching us live. Go YouTube. Go submit your questions there, and you will get featured at the end of the show. So that's pretty cool. And then we'll just give our quick uh, waiver wire ads and drops targets to look for because that's how you win these games. So without further ado, let's get down to the MVP of this week. Gentlemen, I don't even think this is a question. It hurts me mm-hmm. to say. It pains me to say. But, of course, mm-hmm. we have to talk about Christian McCaffrey as our Leatherbrain MVP of the week. He was absolutely phenomenal. 48.7 points in fantasy. Four touchdowns, 27 total touches, 177 total yards. Christian McCaffrey did it all. So congratulations to those that started Christian McCaffrey. And con- and I, you know what? I sincerely apologize to the defeats of those who went against Christian McCaffrey because it was a very, very painful weekend for you. Oh yeah, CMC brought it home for me in so many leagues, and I, I feel like I've, I've been a little bit on an island between you, Slapdog, and Yeti. You guys, a couple episodes, a little bit hesitant to draft the CMC, but I got a lot of shares of him, and right now I'm real happy for it. As long as his old knees hold up, I'm gonna be happy for a while. <laughs> I don't own any shares. Scotty's pulling out receipts. I, I know. Scotty's pulling out receipts, and I don't blame him. Week four. I mean, if you if you're owning Christian McCaffrey right now. There's a very high probability that you're winning weekly in fantasy football because he's just dominating right now. The question is, as Scotty just mentioned, can it be sustained all year? Because 27 touches, that's what the Panthers were doing. That is exactly what the Panthers were doing. And guess what? He he couldn't finish out a season because the usage was so crazy. So that's still my concern. 
Right now, he's doing great. I Fingers crossed. I hope for everybody that owns Christian McCaffrey. It's not me, and I am very sad about it. But for anybody who does own Christian McCaffrey, I really, truly hope that he can make it through the season because he's a league winner. The only issue is well, that's, can he stay on the field? Right, and that, that, but that's the big benefit of this trade from him now in San Francisco. They have so many weapons that they don't have to do this every single week. He can be more efficient with fewer touches because the offense is generally better, which is why I think it was a great landing spot for him. Obviously, you're going to have a little bit more ups and downs, uh, but he's hopefully not going to be injured because they're yeah. overusing him. Yeah, I think in uh, slaps, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game in its entirety. I haven't l- watched like a ton of... 49er games in their entire but the clips or things that I've seen is he doesn't seem to be taking the same kind of punishment like no. he was taking in Carolina like they had him as like a battering ram into like 300 pound defensive lineman and I think that was a large part of it I think the way this team sets up just like just like Scotty was saying is like he's getting to do all this because they have what like they have to respect everything else and which is amazing that he gets to perform like this. Um, I had granted it was the Cardinals, but no offense, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's just a little different. The 27 touches with the 49ers look a little different than the 27 touches with the, with the Panthers. Yeah, for sure. and that, That's, that's very, very apparent. And like you said, I think he's not taking, or maybe Scotty did, but he's not taking the beating that he, he typically is or has been with the Panthers in that way. So, um, and four of those were very obviously touchdowns. So, Congratulations to Christian McCaffrey owners and congratulations CMC. We know you listen and love the show. We appreciate your support. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on our MVP of the week. You deserve it. Let's go over to our studs and duds, gentlemen. We have each brought a stud and a dud. Alan, why don't you take us away with your dud of the week? Uh, yeah, my dud of the week was not uh, one human. It was multiple humans, and that was Miami Dolphins. Uh, they were my dud of the week after their 70-point performance in looking like world beaters the beginning of that Buffalo game looked halfway decent, and then they just kind of like imploded. It's the offense didn't know what it was doing. The defense was just giving up points left and right. It did look nothing like it had looked the week before, which change of opponent will do that to you. Um, but I ex- think the rest of America waking up or rolling into that noon window game, expecting to see a little bit more of a fight, and we saw a team lay down. So that was my dud of the week. Well, and I think it's worth noting, like the Bills are very good. Like, nobody's going to sit here and argue that the Bears are very good. It's an interdivisional game. Devin A. Chain looked great. He looked phenomenal. Mm. He is uh, definitely probably an own moving forward, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit in the waiver wire. But, yeah, they didn't look great. It was it was really tough for him. For anybody that started Tyree Kill and expected your 50 points, as usual, were severely disappointed. And when mm. you're going against a good team like the Bills, I think you – it almost was like a reality check for not just the Dolphins team, but for all of those that are instant starting Dolphins players. I think obviously you, you're going to probably start a lot of them, but don't come to expect that same production that we first that we've seen the first couple of weeks. Because if this is any indicator, they're not perfect. So. Yeah, honestly, from a fantasy perspective, what I take away from this is I'm still pretty happy with the Dolphins players because this was a tough game for them and Tua still threw for almost 300 yards uh obviously A-Chain did his thing Tyreek was held in check but you know still 58 yards receiving on on three catches so it didn't ruin your team hopefully you know he didn't he didn't put up a goose egg so you know I'm I I'm still optimistic about this Dolphins offense I think their defense uh from a real football perspective has got some work to do once they play you know they play a high-powered offense once and then they put up almost 50 points or they they let 
let them put up almost 50 points. Uh, but ultimately, the Dolphins are still really, really good. So I'm still looking forward to watching them every week. Yeah. Uh, Scotty, who was your dead of the week, my friend? Well, let me scroll on up here, and I'll tell you who my dead of the week is. Uh, it's Desmond Ritter, oh. obviously. I've been talking shit on this guy for so long. Like, it's, like, always in the back of my mind. Him and Dan Campbell just live rent-free rent, rent free in the back of my head. Be nice. Um, I'll say – I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is a team that could be a legitimate playoff contender if they had someone competent throwing the football. And for whatever reason, they didn't address that in the offseason. They wanted to see they, – they saw signs that Desmond Ritter might be able to grow into that guy. He's not that guy. Right now, I am rooting for – who is his backup? Is it Heineke that's backing him up? Yes, it is. I think it is. I'm rooting for Heineke to take over this team. And I think if we see more performances like that, it's going to happen. And at the very least, we know in Heineke that he is capable of passing the ball effectively. Um, you know, he's not great, but I think anyone is better than Desmond Ritter right now. He's kind of sitting in that Zach Wilson category for this franchise where it's, you know, not getting as much attention. But, uh, dude, look at all the weapons we have. Look at how good our offensive line is. Our defense took a big step forward this year. And we've got Desmond Ritter driving the bus. And that's just not going to win you games. So they need to make a change. I hope they do that as early as next week. Definitely not a good look. He went 19 for 31 for 191 and one touchdown with two interceptions. Not a great look for Ritter, you know. And and we'll talk more about that Falcons game here in just a little bit. But I, I tend to agree with you. Unfortunately, he did not get the job done. And I think he certainly earned uh, the dud of the week for you there. My dud of the week is Amari Cooper this week. He uh, He didn't look good. He, the Browns did not look good. Very obviously, I think the the narrative here is Deshaun Watson was not on the field. And that that certainly impacted Amari Cooper's fantasy football performance. He went one for six for 16 yards. Congratulations to anybody that unfortunately started Amari Cooper because he got you two points in PPR formats. So, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not a good look, right? Um, I think very clearly you have to temper your expectations with wide receivers when they're missing their quarterback. And so I don't think there's much more analysis that needs to go on here. The Browns look like shit without Watson. I've always wondered when you're a wide receiver like that and you're not part of an offense that's like chucking it around all over the place. So it's like you catch one ball, 16 yards, and then you just kind of like disappear. You just kind of like ran around the field the rest of the day. You know, like what'd you do today? Oh, I just kind of like ran around and like, tried to block for my running back every once in a while but you know, <laughs> i mean that's what it, it was and this was the game i was looking the most forward to like to be honest with you the ravens browns they were both two and one i thought this was going to be a great matchup and then you know watson was kind of questionable all week and then it comes out that at very last minute that he's not going to play really sucked because this is a game i was very excited for i expect better uh weeks to come for amari cooper but i think that he has to be paired with deshaun watson in order for the performance to be there so he earned my dud of the week let's get a little bit happier fellas let's let's mm. let's get let's flip the coin here let's bring a, a stud to the table scotty bring us your stud of the week my friend oh yeah stud is josh allen throwing for over 300 yards and four touchdowns uh since week one you know week one happened he threw like three interceptions and we all were like oh no you know, the Brian Dable effect is is in full swing. Brian Dable left him. Now, all of a sudden, he can't figure out how to play quarterback anymore. Uh, and he put all of us uh, doubters to shame over the last three weeks, including this week, where he just looks like uh, this Bills team could be a real contender. When Josh Allen is playing as well as he is right now, there are very few teams that could stop them. And we saw that this week with the game against Miami because we all know what Miami did last week. Their offense looked completely unstoppable. And this Bills team held them in check and put up almost 50 points on them. So Josh Allen deserves all the credit in the world, and hopefully he keeps this going. I loved seeing it. 
I really did. Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen that we came to expect, so he had a phenomenal week. Allen, your stud of the week, buddy. Yes, sir. It's my boy CJ Stroud, and we'll get into it a little bit later when we talk about the games, but um, I think just impressed with him. I think if you picked him up off the waiver wire, I'm not sure how many people trusted to draft him in redraft format leagues. Um, so if you picked him up over the last couple of weeks, um, his completion percentage is, is not spectacular, but he protects the ball. He moves it downfield and he puts up a lot of freaking points this week, 306 yards passing two touchdowns, no picks. Um, I think that's what you want. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody to get you all those points it was a very quiet 306. Um, I was watching a little bit of the game, and it was just obviously Pittsburgh sucked and Pickett went out. But, um, yeah, he's my stud of the week. He's kind of been floating under the radar of like, well, well, and now he's trending. Week four, he's trending. I think between him and Puka, there's certainly a back-and-forth argument for offensive rookie of the year, and, and rightly so. I mean, C.J. Stroud, through four games, has had 1,200 passing yards, which is first among rookie quarterbacks, six passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, he has had a 100.6 passer rating, and he is 2-2 uh, two and two for a team record, which is all first among rookie quarterbacks. So he is certainly looking like the best rookie quarterback in this class thus far. He's throwing the ball a lot. The Texans are trusting him to throw the, the ball a lot. And honestly, he looks comfortable back there. If you were watching any of these mm-hmm. Texans games, and if I'm, a, I'm not a Texans fan, but if I was back in, a, back in the day, I'd be pretty damn happy. I'd be excited for mm-hmm. what this team and this possibility for them could be because Stroud looks like the real deal. He, he looks wonderful. He's making a lot of the right reads. He's, he's making great decisions as a quarterback, and that's what you want. So I love this, and I love I love this for him, and I'm excited to see this Texans team. I, I want them to be good, and, and I think he certainly is the guy to get the job done for him. So guy to well, get- What's crazy to me, just real quick, is that he's doing all this with Nico Collins as his wide receiver one. Yeah. Right? He's got no weapons, and he is out here slinging the ball like a madman. You know, the things we're concerned about with the rookie quarterback are turnovers. He's not doing that. He's making plays with, with weapons that would be wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes on every other team. Yeah, That's, if you're a Texans fan, you got to be seems disrespectful right to Nico Collins, but we'll let it slide. Well, he's doing good. Uh, <laughs> my stud of the week's DJ Moore, man. He, yep. uh, you know... I, the only reason, okay, the main reason I brought him here as my stud of the week is because I think this is probably my only opportunity all season long to shine some some happiness and light on DJ Moore. He he looked great. He went eight for nine for tw- or twenty three point one fantasy points in half PPR format. 131 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he looked incredible. Justin Fields looked incredible. We will talk about that game here. There's a lot to talk about, but uh, we will wait just a moment to talk about that game. But DJ Moore, like I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to give him the honor of stud of the week too often, so I wanted to do it now because he looked great, and he he certainly, for those that took a risk and started him, it certainly behooved them this week. So I gave him my, uh, my stud of the week. That's it for our studs and duds. Let's move over very quickly. I want everybody who's listening right now to be cognizant of the names I am about to say because there's a lot of them, and this is the injury update. So there is uh, a lot of players that got hurt this week. I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but I just quickly want to run through this list and kind of the time turnaround because these people are hurt, and it's going to, in fact, impact your roster. So T. Higgins hurt his rib. He is out two to four weeks. Justin Herbert broke his hand. Uh, it's on his non-throwing hand, so or he broke his finger. Excuse me. Um, Kenny Pickett knee multiple weeks, but it's now you know there's rumor that he might even play this week, which is an o- its own conversation in and of itself. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, hamstring.
hamstring. Same hamstring issue that he had last year. Javante Williams, running back for the Broncos, hurt his hip. Rico Dowdle, hip. Jawan Johnson hurt his calf. Also same calf from preseason. Devontae Adams. He uh, hurt his shoulder, but he did come back to play, so I expect him to still be on the field, but um, that was kind of scary. Mike Evans, hamstring. He's had plenty of hamstring issues in the past, so he could end up week to week. Matt Stafford did hurt his hip, but he came back to play. Donald Parham hurt his wrist, and Alec Pierce is in concussion protocol. All of those players are injured or have some sort of injury designation, so just be aware of it. Be cognizant of it and have pivot options ready if you're planning on starting any of those people. I'm going to guess a lot of those people you're not, but some of them you might, so just be careful for that. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving over to the Leather Brains game of the week. More like shame of the week. The game that we have picked this week to highlight is the Broncos versus the Bears. Broncos win this game 31-28. to Yeah. Yeah, this is the toilet bowl. I mean, this is what we were all waiting to see. These two teams look like they might be the worst two teams in the league, or they're competing for it. Uh, and the Broncos, maybe you know, maybe they're a little bit less worse. Uh, but I think you know it comes down to Matt Eberflus, which we'll talk about in just a second. But uh, you know, Russ Wilson went twenty-one for twenty-eight, two hundred and twenty-three yards, three touchdowns. So you know, he managed to be a little bit productive. Uh, Javante Williams got injured, as you just mentioned, so uh, the running game here was a little bit non-existent. But Jerry Judy also non-existent, three for fifty-two. Sutton three for twenty-seven. He did find the end zone, but Justin Fields, guys. Uh, Justin Fields went off for all the people who drafted him. This is the week that they were hoping they would get every week, but they haven't gotten every week. He went, you know, 335 yards passing four touchdowns. He did throw an interception, which ended up being a big impact on the game. But for fantasy purposes, not a big deal. He's still probably, you know, one year week or at least helped you there. And then as you mentioned, DJ Moore went off as well, was a big beneficiary of Justin Fields uh, doing work. So we got to talk about Matt Eberflus, right? Is this guy on the real hot seat? Like, you know, we saw in this game, obviously a very competitive game down to the wire. Eberflus decided fourth and one with less than three minutes to go. They're on the 18-yard line. He could kick a go-ahead field goal and then trust his defense, which, by the way, the defense he runs. He's a defensive coach. He calls the defensive plays. But he decided, no, we're not going to kick the field goal. I don't trust my defense. We're going to go for it. They don't get it and the Broncos march down the field and kick the go-ahead field goal for the win. That's a bad look. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And the question I think we really, you know, I I think you wanted to talk about this, and I also wanted to talk about this. Is Matt Eberflus, is he on the hot seat? Should he be on the hot seat? I think he should be. 
this is a poor performance by him. And honestly, I, I have to tip my hat to Justin Fields this week because Justin Fields looked great. He did. He looked great for a, a vast majority of this game. He was not running the ball at all. He was rushing the ball. Or excuse me, he's not rushing the ball. He was running the ball. And he looked great when he did it. So it's very clear that he can throw the ball, which has been a huge concern for every for all Bears fans and fantasy football owners is can he throw the ball? He showed that he could do it this week. But Alan, it was against the it was against the Broncos. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. I was like, is this the is are the Broncos the get right game? You had our two MVPs last week with Devin A-Chain and Raheem Mostert against the Broncos. And then you have now you have the get right game with DJ Moore and Justin Fields against the Broncos. Yeah. So maybe the lesson learned here is that evaluate your fantasy rosters. If they are playing the Broncos, <laughs> odds are they're going to have they're going to be a good option even if it's a, a a shit option for that week or you have a buy or somebody gets hurt, just look at who's playing the Broncos. I think we're trending through week four of like, they are giving up a ton of points. You're going to see points all over this. Uh, so I hope that's what the, we ultimately learn from this. The, going back to Scotty's Eberflus comment. I think the thing that's interesting is how he handles his roster when things happen a certain way where like fields through a pick. Yeah, it was costly. And then they kind of like, went into a shell of themselves as of an offense. Like they were, they seemed to be more tentative, less aggressive, did not seem to be doing what they were doing before, which got them to that large victory. And, you know, you're scoring 28 points. Like you got to think that puts you in most every, every game. But, you know, like you said, this is a toilet bowl. Neither team really wanted to win this game. I think they kind of wanted to hold on to the, the number one picks. And I think that's, if you're looking ahead from a, from a dynasty format, you're looking at, all right, where are these guys potentially going to go? Well, the bears hold now the first two picks of next year's draft. So now you're rooting for that to change. So that way you can draft somebody different. I mean, is that like, is that, are we still on the, on the, in the camp that fields is, is done? Like, is that still, are we writing that narrative still just watching him last week is or this last week? Is there no hope for him moving forward or is it Eberflus? Is it that offense? Because he's shown that very clearly he, he can throw the ball physically. He's able to throw the ball. So is it the play calling? Is it the coaching? Is it a mix of both? Or really is it Justin Fields just isn't good and they don't want to throw the ball? Like what, what camp are we landing in here? I think you're at the point now where you got to burn the whole thing down and start from scratch um, because, you know, we're going to have the rest of the season to see Justin Fields. I don't think they're going to bench Justin Fields anytime no. soon. He's got, he's too athletic. Obviously the season's already, you know, they're struggling. Um, so I, you know, Justin Fields has an opportunity for the rest of the season to prove himself. Uh, but I, I will guarantee you, he's not benefiting from the coaching that he's getting. He's obviously, you know, when he's dropping back, he's taking way too much time to process his decisions. And that's a coaching issue. Like you're, you're, you should be able to coach that out of a competent player. And we just haven't seen that yet. And I hate to say it because I, I, I drafted Justin Fields in several leagues. I was excited for him this year. I was excited for DJ Moore. But I think we saw this production because they're playing the Broncos. Mm -hmm. And the Broncos defense has – they've seen one of the biggest regressions of any team in the league from last year to this year. They just look really, really bad. And I think it's I think it's all mental for them. They're just freaking out. But uh, I really do think that's the reason why we saw this production. And I am not optimistic about the near future for the Bears at all. I, yeah. And if you're a Bears fan, I was really excited for the Bears Going into the season as somebody who's not a Bears fan, I was excited for them, and I was like, "This could be a really good year for him." Like if, if Herbert or if Justin Fields takes the next steps, he's got DJ Moore. Things are looking great. They're not. They're not. I want to blame the coaching because I think it's poor coaching, but I also 
I think there are legitimate real concerns, which I fully understand with Justin Fields and his ability. So I think there's equal blame to throw probably for both parties on this one. But let's let's move over to the the noon window games. That is our our shame of the week because it was an absolute shame that uh, the Bears had to lose that one to the Broncos. So let's poop, let's move over to uh, the Thursday night game and the the noon window games. Yeah, uh, first one I wanted to bring up from this window was really more of a shout out. He was flirting with my uh, stud. He's just kind of been. I could probably just put him in every week at this point. And our boy Puka Nakua, as we have uh, famously adopted, is Puka Nuka. I think it's just more because we're lazy and we're dumb. Yeah, no. So 100%. he's Puka Nuka because we are we are dumb and we can't read. Yeah. Um, so that's probably where this comes from. I wanted to just talk about this because you know we talk about first off the Rams um, with it kind of gave up a lead, came back, got the W over the Colts um, this week. But Puka Nuka has been uh, a mainstay Nuka. of this offense so far. Puka Nuka. <laughs> Sorry, I'm saying it the right way. I need to say it. Um, but right now he's out he's outpacing uh two of the highest receiving yards seasons in nfl history with cup and calvin johnson so right now through four weeks and in, in terms of receiving yards he's ha- on pace to have one of the greatest seasons we i know we tweeted it this week we we're talking about kyron williams what a just a fantastic waiver wire pickup off of one team like to me you picked up two of the, you know, you look at these two guys beginning of the season, not on anybody's radar at all. And I think this is part of the fun of fantasy football. If you look at how the season develops, like which one do we think is going to be the, the, the better value long-term for this? Like what, <laughs> who's going to win the waiver wire darling off of their own team? Is it Puka or is it Kyron Williams? Um, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Which one, like, where do we feel? Moving forward, like, do we trade one of these guys? You just hold them? Are they going to win us the league? What if Cup comes back? There's a lot to unpack. I think I think you got to hold them, man. I mean, I, I really do. And especially, I think, for me, I own I own shares of both of these guys. I think, for me, the waiver wire darling will end up being Kyron Williams. I do. And the, the only reason is, is because at some point in time, Cooper Cup is going to come back. I don't know when that is. Nobody knows when that is. I think a lot of people are hoping it's sooner rather than later. The Rams included. But... Kyron Williams is the running back for this team. There is no other running back that is worth starting for fantasy football. Now, I completely agree. Puka is incredible. He's doing wonderful. But I I do expect when Cooper Cup gets on the field, I expect his usage to still be great. And I'm still probably going to start him. But I think he's probably going to come back to earth a little bit. I'm not saying even drastically. He could still have great 20-point games on a weekly basis and be wonderful, but I do expect him to come back to earth a little bit, and I think Kyron Williams is a mainstay for this offense, and you don't get a lot of running backs, as we have talked about numerous times. You don't get a lot of running backs that are constantly on the field and are both have that PPR value as well as here run the ball between the tackles and get me five yards, and he's doing mm-hmm. both of those. So I love both of them. And like you mentioned, that's the fun part about fantasy. That's the fun part about this. I, I think a lot of people, we forgot that Matthew Stafford's still a pretty damn good quarterback, and he's coming back. So I think a lot of people had the Rams written off because of their poor season last year, but they're looking they're looking frisky. They're fun. Yeah, th- this is the Matthew Stafford effect. I mean, people forget that this guy just won a Super Bowl not too long ago. He's he He is a very, very good player, and obviously they fell off the bandwagon last year with all the injuries, but... With Matthew Stafford on the field, the defense has to respect everybody. They got to respect the rookie wide receiver. They got to respect the undersized running back. Like they they can't take any time off in any position. And that's Matthew Stafford that's doing that. Um, one interesting question I have is how do you, you know, there 
there are countless Cooper Cup owners out there. How do you think they feel about the situation? Do they feel like now Cooper Cup is going to have less, like way less value than before because, uh, you know, Puka Nuka has carved out such a significant role for himself? You can't imagine Puka Nuka just falls off the face of the earth when Cup comes back. But Cup was valuable because he was getting targeted more so than any other receiver in football. And that's why he was so valuable. Uh, are you concerned about that if you owned Cup or you spent a high draft pick on Cup? I think for me, it, it comes down to who's Cup still, is he 100%? When he yeah. comes back, what percentage is he coming back at? And this, you know, this is a man's game. And I know Cup is tough, but all it takes is one weird hit again or him to strain a certain way, and he's back on the shelf. So I think for Cup fans without Puka Nuka is um, – how long am I expected to get any returns? Is he going to be in game speed? Like, is he ready for game speed? How long is this ramp going to be? Now we're talking, what, week six, week seven. Now, when are my returns? Now I've sat on a running back that I drafted where I'm not getting what I thought I would. And I think for Puka, I think I agree with um, I agree with Slaps. Obviously, if he's not getting thrown to as much, it's going to diminish how what his return is going to be. Uh, but I think it's he's the healthier option at the point. So... I think that's ultimately what it comes down to me is like, it's the health. It's what am I realistically going to get out of cup when, when, and if he comes back. So the other, the other fantasy relevant conversation around the Rams is uh, obviously if you pick these guys up off the waiver wire, you are feeling as high as a kite at the moment, but with the impending return of cup, as well as Kyron Williams being utilized as much as he is. And given his size, you know, we we've seen undersized backs struggle to stay healthy in the past, is there a point where you're saying, okay, these guys are really, really great for me right now. Should I maybe offload them for a ridiculous fantasy trade before doom happens? Or are you comfortable just keeping them running in the starting lineup until they prove you wrong? I, I mean, who? the question being, especially like Puka, I'm not... If you sell Puka high right now, I don't blame you. Because you do have that conversation that we just had. Like, that is a legitimate concern for most people. So I, I understand that. And... I think there's an ar- that argument is valid. For Kyron Williams, what's the alternative right now? And that's the question that I think a lot of people really need to have. Like, look yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, who do I want to go target as a running back? Because right now the running backs are disgusting. Kyron Williams is RB3 in the season with Raheem Mostert currently at RB2, and that's not going to last very long because, as we know, Devin A-Chain is about to come in and, and really take that rollover. You look at all the running backs right now. I'm perfectly content owning Kyron Williams, and I'm not looking to trade him because the market right now is just so disgusting that I might have hit gold, and I might not get that same return. The only person that I would be interested in even remotely moving him for right now is Christian McCaffrey, and every CMC owner is, there's no way it's going to happen. Right. Well, what if, I I mean... The, the situation that fantasy managers are in with Kyron, though, is that they picked him up off the waiver. So they have two running backs that they would have been starting were it not for Kyron. Now, Kyron obviously is outperforming those running backs right now. But if those running backs are still in the top 12 or you know top 15 running backs, are you comfortable trading Kyron Williams for like a haul at wide receiver or, or something like that? Or maybe, you know, a, a good backup running back and a solid flex position, something, you know, you can, you can put together so many packages sure. because you got Kyron Williams for free. And it's, it really, it, this, this whole question is based upon what is your team looking like? If you want to trade Kyron Williams for a James Cook plus another wide receiver two that has wide receiver one upside, I don't hate that. 
I don't know if you're going to get that haul for him because I think some people would be very scared. And without the scarcity of the running back market right now, I don't think a lot of people are going to be willing to purchase him because they're going to have to trade multiple assets to get rid of him because Kyron Williams is so high. He's a hold for me. I don't want to let go of that. And I don't, I currently just do not see that this trend failing like I I just he's on the field he's getting usage and he's going to continue to get that usage and unless you're desperate and you need to really rebuild and remold a lot of your team consider yourself lucky that you you picked him up off waivers for free Mm -hmm. and and you now have a top 10 running back agreed 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 I think he's a solid performer um another solid performer we had we touched about and he was my stud of the week the Texans height train. Golly. Do we just go full force? Like when you're drafting and we're looking at this Texans team before the season, you know, obviously there was nobody, there's not many pieces here you were willing to draft unless you took CJ Stroud in a dynasty format, which you have to be ecstatic at how this is turning out. We talked about it earlier. He looks comfy back there. He looks very sure of himself. He looks like he knows where he's going with the football. And no offense to anybody on that roster. He really doesn't have a ton of weapons to go to. They they invested heavily on the defense. They got a defensive guy at head coach. I think Stroud gave is giving them some confidence being on that rookie contract to attract and pick up or slash draft some additional prospects for them to work with around CJ Stroud. And so I think if you're you're looking at a team moving forward, like what what are we feeling? Slaps, are you 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 a little jealous? I'm you know, little sad. You got off the train. I was bring that up. I'm a little <laughs> sad. I am a little sad. I am. I but the other thing that's that's worth noting are the Texans legit? Like that's that's the question that we're really asking. And is CJ Stroud legit? I think CJ Stroud is legit. But I also just want to point out how easy this schedule is for the Texans this year. I mean, they have a very very friendly schedule. They played uh, Pittsburgh last week, who just all around looks atrocious. Um, their offense is, and we'll probably, I, I don't know if we're slated to talk about that today, but that is something that needs to be talked about because Kenny Pickett looks like dog shit. Kenny Pickett looks like, I would say Kenny Pickett looks like the worst quarterback right now, especially after Wilson's play this week. Kenny Pickett might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL and it shows. So in that defense, aside from TJ Watt has not looked incredible either. So they played Pittsburgh last week. They play the Falcons, New Orleans, which should be pretty tough, but then they got the Panthers, like the Cardinals, the Broncos. Like uh, you look at their schedule and it's like they have a lot of favorable matchups, which I think is a great move for CJ Stroud to be able to learn without going against some of the hardest defenses in the league. So I, I just want to point that out as, as even more of a reason to get really excited about this guy because when he's not going against upper echelon elite defenses every single week, he has more of an opportunity to take risks, to do things that typically your quarterbacks, you don't want them to do because you're going to turn the ball over and it's going to lose you a game. Nobody expected anything out of greatness for the, from him as far as like for fantasy football. like He was the last quarterback drafted between the three. Like in a lot of fantasy leagues that I went either Richardson or young and then the other one and then CJ Stroud. And so for those that got CJ Stroud, you're really happy about it. And I'm excited for him. I think he has looked incredible and I I'm excited to continue to see what he is going to do. But I think he certainly makes Nico Collins and tank Dell, both very viable wide receivers for fantasy football. I got a hard question for you, slap dog. Um, and I want you to, Close your eyes and imagine you're in a therapy room. I want you to really answer this honestly from the bottom of your heart. Uh, You were once a Texans fan. I was. You switched over to the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody knows you switch teams more than Demi Lovato. Well, there's only two teams, so I've done both (laughs) of those continue. 
three in the Lions. Um, anyway, I'm not. If I'm not, I'm there not a was a, Lions fan. if there was a person who showed up and you know, say they came from another planet and they said, "Wow, this football thing looks really interesting. I want to get in on this." Yeah. Which team should I choose? Would you recommend, given the state of the entire organization, the Cardinals or the Texans? If you had to choose between the two, which Texans. one are you more? Texans. Optimistic I don't even. I'm opinion? opening my eyes. It's the fucking Texans, dude. <laughs> the Cardinals are. We're in. I feel like every week you guys just like poking the button of how shit the Cardinals are, and then you try and sell me like, well, they're getting better. No, they're not. They're fucking terrible. I don't. Have to, and I don't have to poke anything. Uh, yeah, you just ah. see it every week. <laughs> The Cardinals are dog shit. The Texans are on the ups. I give it give the Texans another 3 years. And I think that if they make the right moves, they could potentially be a contender. Like I truly believe that CJ Stroud is looking way too good. He's looking way too yeah, good. Yeah, I think yeah, the last note I have we I have on the the Texans hype is if you look at the if you look at the division they're in right now, you know, there's really only one other team that has a solid quarterback yeah. and they're not even world beaters at the moment. And I think there's a lot of opportunity here. And so if I'm looking around as a Texans fan or if I'm the GM of the Texans, I'm like, okay, hang on. We have a chance here. If he's going to produce like this and not turn the ball over, we need to maybe start investing in some pieces to really capitalize on his rookie contract and get some, get some pass catchers in here. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to say this is just for fun. T. Higgins is going to be a free agent this upcoming year. No, he's going to the Chiefs. Yeah. I've already decided that. Also, I mean, no, his his broken ribs going to the Chiefs. He'll go to the Texans. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we're talking about T. Higgins. Let's talk about the Bengals because the Bengals are not looking good, man. They just lost to the Titans twenty-seven to three. The Titans beat the shit out of them, and it was, I mean. It, it was so bad. Derrick Henry was throwing touchdowns. Like it was not a good look for the Bengals at all. Through four weeks, Jamar Chase is wide receiver 21. That's a problem. That is a big problem. And it's one that, like, there's just no no optimistic end in sight at the moment. Like, there really isn't. And I, I, I want to talk about this. Like, for fantasy football, we're benching Joe Burrow or even dropping him at this point. Like, that, I for me, if I own any shares of, of Joe Burrow... At, at the very least, he's going to the bench. He's one of Andy's toys that I'm sitting on the shelf, and maybe one day I'll play with again, but right, not right now. Because he is quarterback 31 on the season. There are other quarterbacks out there that are doing much better than Joe Burrow. Let me name a few. Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, and Jordan Love. And that's all disgusting, aside from Love. Love's actually pretty good. But Baker Mayfield's 23% owned. Russell Wilson is 53% owned. And Jordan Love is 75% owned. All of them? I would probably start over Joe Burrow at this point. What are you guys' thoughts? I, I can't disagree. I mean, at this point in time, the, the quarterback fatigue that we've experienced in the first four, uh, four weeks as fantasy managers is just infuriating, right? Between Justin Fields and Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow, in, granted, is, is injury, whatever it is. I mean, maybe he's just, he got paid, so he's he, he wants to just take a backseat and live the rest of his life in comfort. But Same. Whatever whatever the reason is, Joe Burrow is ruining so many fantasy teams right now because everybody has T. Higgins. Everybody has Jamar Chase. Everybody has Joe Burrow. These are these guys were so sought after because of how explosive this offense has been. And it's just been pitiful, like just pathetic. So you can't bench Jamar Chase. You can't you 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 can swap out T. Higgins week to week depending, but 
Joe Burrow, I think, has got to go on your fantasy team right now. You cannot trust him. You know, he's he's going to throw for 140 yards and maybe a couple interceptions, and he's not going to get in the end zone. It's just very, very difficult to see the upside at this point. It, he's in a position for me where he's got to prove that he's back before I'm going to trust him in the fantasy <sighs> lineup. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts. One, as soon as you bench him, he's going to go off. Yeah, we already that's the, that's the golden rule. As soon as you bench the guy that you thought was going to produce for you, he's going to go off. So just everybody know that as soon as you bench him, whoever you are listening to this, even us, <laughs> if we do it, he's going to go off. So just know that um, you've been warned. The second thing is I know around the social medias, it's very big for Bengals fans or for anybody to point out right away that is an apologist is he's hurt. And on one hand, I can certainly empathize with that because if he's not he's not 100 percent, it's hard for him to produce. The flip side of that is if you're out there playing, you're good enough to play. And that's kind of how I operate. If you're playing, that means you're good enough to play. And I know last year we always like to hang our hat, Matt, off like if Pat's ankle was not good. Oh, it's because he was hurt. You know, at the end of the day, he was playing. Regardless, if he's if he's not playing and he's not there, that's a totally different story. Then you can say, oh, the reason they're not winning is because Joe Burrow isn't there. The fact of the matter is he's there. And if he's healthy enough to play – then this falls on him just as much as, as it is the head coaching. But if he's not good enough to play, he should be sat, which I know, Scotty, you have your own thoughts around. Which, I, I mean, and I, I am curious to pick your brain on this, Scotty, but I, I tend to agree with you, Alan. Like, if if you're out there on the field, you need to be in playing, in, in playing format. Now, I, if you get hurt in the middle of a game and you go out there to try and win it all, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you shit for it, right? Because what's the, what's the alternative? And more often than not, you still might be able to. But we're going into week five, and you haven't looked like Joe Burrow of the last two years, and it's really starting to cost me my fantasy games and a lot of other people their fantasy games for it, and also just. The Bengals in general, like they're losing games because Joe Burrow's out there. Is it Zach Taylor? Is it partially his fault for not just saying, you know what, we're just going to fucking pull you. Jake Browning's going to be our quarterback for the next couple weeks. You need to get healthy. Mm-hmm. You just pay well, this quarterback, and I'm sorry, Scotty, but you no, just pay this quarterback a shit ton of money to be a franchise guy. If he is not 100% healthy, why are you rolling him out on the field every single week when he looks like he's 25% of the Joe Burrow that we know? Why risk it? He's your he's your long term guy. You know what I mean? Well, and here's the reason is because Joe, you know, obviously they started with him. They they believed that the injury wasn't going to impact, uh, you know, his play, and it has, uh, or it's something has. And I would guess the injury is top of the list. But the backup quarterback, I can't even remember his name, but he's never played a down in the NFL. Jake you know, Browning. they they don't trust they don't trust him to come in and and do what needs to be done. And once you start out losing a couple games, now the pressure's really on and they're like, okay, well, we don't want to bench Joe Burrow now and sacrifice the next three weeks and, you know, and go in. But the point that I want to make is it it's now time, you know, looking back, week four is done. It's now time to bench him because having him in there, there's no upside, right? He's obviously not capable of performing like you should be able to perform. And the only reason you wanted him to play over your backup is to give you a chance at winning. The offense is looking sedated either way. And right now, what we're really experiencing right now is is Joe Burrow has lost his mobility. We don't consider him a rushing quarterback, but his ability to keep plays alive, keep his eyes downfield is what has made him great throughout college and in the NFL. And teams don't have to worry about that right now. He doesn't have any opportunity to extend plays. He doesn't look like he can. So they're just risking a more serious injury. We just saw Aaron Rodgers rupture his Achilles because of the same injury, right? When your calf is weak, 
your Achilles is susceptible to to injury, and that is going to cause way more harm for the Bengals organization than Joe Burrow missing a few games and trying to get right. And to me, there's just no upside to him playing right now. They need to bench him because you you look at their schedule. The next week they have next week they have the Cardinals, and the week after that they have the Seahawks. After that they have the 49ers and the Bills back to back. If they can get Joe Burrow at least a little bit healthier before those two games, it's worth it to sit him for the next two weeks. Well, that that begs the question for fantasy football. He's playing the Cardinals. Take your shots if you'd like, but he is playing the Cardinals. They're not great. So do you play Joe Burrow this week against the Cardinals, or do you see if Brock Purdy is available? He's only 74% rostered. He's playing the Cowboys this week. Which two are you starting between the two? Here's the thing about Joe Burrow. From a fantasy perspective, we've talked about this countless times. The quarterback position doesn't give you that much of an advantage, right? This is why we've said don't draft a quarterback early because you can make that up with quarterbacks with rushing upside later on in the draft, and they won't get you as many points, but it's going to be relatively minor in terms of the difference compared to other positions, and that still applies now. You can bench Joe Burrow and throw in Jordan Love or throw in Baker Mayfield, and the difference is going to be even if you know Joe Burrow's playing his best game, he's going to get you 23, 25 points, and Baker Mayfield might get you 18, 19. So that's not that much of a difference. So why take the risk on your fantasy team at the quarterback position? If you're in a 10-team league or a 12-team league, there are so many viable options that you can pick up right now and you don't have to worry about it. Why are you taking the risk of this guy who might get you nine points versus 15, 17, 18? Sure. And we'll talk. There's a couple of quarterbacks I want to talk about in the waiver wire section. So um, we'll leave it for there. We're going to move on to uh, some fun conversation, boys, the Toy Story game. The game. I don't know if you guys got to see the Toy Story game. It was pretty interesting. It was pretty cool. As a uh, a child that is a huge fan of Toy Story, getting to watch football with that whole scene and dynamic was was pretty fun. It was it was a change of pace. It was different, and I enjoyed it. Um, but I I think really the conversation I want to have with this Toy Story game is not about the Toy Stories themselves, but about the toy that needs to be put on the shelf that is Kyle Pitts. If you have Kyle Pitts, I'm going to tell you this right now: drop him. You can drop him. You don't even need to put him on your bench. You can drop Kyle Pitts. The only thing that Kyle Pitts is doing for you right now is clogging your roster. He looks beautiful. He looks great. He is one of those toys that you want to keep in the or you want to take out of the box and play with, but at the end of the day here, he is not that. And it's not his fault. It's the coach's staff, it's the coaching staff's fault for not getting him more involved. It's Desmond Ritter's fault for not getting him more involved. It's not Kyle Pitts' fault. He is an athletic freak. But you know what? The problem is, is he's not getting the job done for fantasy football. I give you all permission. Drop Kyle Pitts. Go find a new tight end on the waiver wire because Kyle Pitts ain't it. In fact, he wasn't even the number one tight end this week for the Falcons. It was Jonu Smith who went six for six for 95 yards. Kyle Pitts only went two for four for 21 yards. Kyle Pitts, you're dr- everybody is so encapsulated with him because of the name value that he brings to the table because he was he coming into the league, he was an athletic freak. The sad reality is he's playing with a mediocre quarterback in a run first team. Drop Kyle Pitts, go get Zach Ertz, go get Hunter Henry. Scotty or I will both agree with you on that. You can <laughs> drop Kyle Pitts. Is that fair to say, gentlemen? The only thing that makes me hesitant and Granted, I've been delusional about Kyle Pitts since day one, so it could just be a me problem. If you go, if you go to my Twitter and look at my AV, it's still a sticky note that says Kyle Pitts, no matter what. That's what it is. <laughs> you gotta write um, a sticky note down, man. It's not <laughs> but, working. 
But here's the thing. If they decide to make a switch and Taylor Heineke comes in, I think this offense could potentially look a lot different. Um, really, when you're looking at tight ends, I mean, if you, if you have Kyle Pitts, you're looking at streaming tight ends right now, which means you're going to look at matchups and see, okay, which defenses give up the most points to tight ends, which teams have young quarterbacks who are more likely to check it down than throw it deep, that sort of thing. Kyle Pitts could very well be in that conversation with a different quarterback. As it stands right now, you're right. I mean, there's no excuse to have him in there because despite his capability and despite what he could do on the field, he's not getting the targets. And the reason for that is, you know, it's twofold, really. Uh, number one is B. John Robinson. He is a generational talent. This is what we talked about in the offseason. They're going to give him the ball as often as possible, and they want to run the ball first. But second is Desmond Ritter, and he is just not comfortable making the reads in this offense. He's not comfortable spreading the ball to his weapons. And it's hit or miss as to whether or not Drake London or Kyle Pitts is going to get the very few passes that happen in the red zone. So it's just not worth it given the current makeup of this offense. I would probably hold him and I am holding him. He's on the bench in a couple leagues just in case Heineke comes in and this offensive passing attack gets a little bit better. Um, but even then, I'm not going to blame you if you want to drop him for a, another guy. Okay. I'm dropping him. I'm done with him. I, I don't own any shares of him, but uh, I don't need to. I'm I'm done with it because it's a painful, <laughs> bleak existence for Kyle Pitts owners, and I feel for you, and I'm really sorry. And that's it. That's all I got on on Kyle Pitts. Mm. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your Cardinals, bro. Let's talk about. I know you Star. are always really excited to talk about the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> regardless of your doom and gloom mindset. Um, the Cardinals still look way better than I thought that they would look. They re they really do. They look feisty. Dobbs is coming out here when when they're playing good defenses. Dobbs is killing it. He's he's got a, a 120 passer rating versus Dallas and a 102.2 passer rating versus San Francisco. He shows up in those big moments. The defense is making plays. This game against San Francisco, you look at the score and you think, okay, well they got smashed. Into the fourth quarter, this was a one-score game. I mean, they really gave him a run for their money. So my question to you, Slapdog, is it time to look at Gannon and say, for what you have, you're doing pretty good? It's sickening for me to say, it sucks. I don't want him to be good because I don't like him because I think he's the biggest fucking goob on the planet Earth. And every single week we come in here, and I don't want to talk about the Cardinals, and every single week you guys are like, hey, guys, the Cardinals aren't that bad. They're doing okay. And it's like, yeah, we beat Dallas. That's great. That was cool. I was so glad because there is not a team in the NFL that I hate more than Dallas, and I, I was so happy to beat them. 49ers, it's, an, it's a, a divisional game. Divisional games typically get a little bit friskier than usual, and – it actually was a good game. Like, it was not a bad game for Cardinals fans. There were certainly things that you could hang your hat on and say, you know what? We didn't play bad. And we didn't play bad. I thought we did pretty well. Didn't expect to win that game. I don't think anybody, any of the Cardinals fans and or the entire NFL did not expect anybody. But we didn't with Dallas either. I know, Alan, you're over there looking like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. I get it. <laughs> I know. Uh, the question the question that I have, and I, I can't figure this out as a fan, where do we go from here? What do we do with this team moving forward? There's a lot of narrative going around. You trade Kyler Murray. He goes to the Falcons. That's cool. He's a run-first quarterback. He gets on a run-first team. He can sling the ball really well. That would be great. And then we just rebuild. 
but we just signed Kyler Murray to a big deal. So is that even a feasible thing? Kyler Murray, when does he come back? He's activated off the pup this week. However, they have already the Cardinals have already come out and said we're not going to be playing him in the foreseeable future. So when does he come back? Do you bring him back this year? What does that do to him if you don't bring him back this year and he remains on the Cardinals a year removed from football? There's so many questions that I don't have the answer to, and I'm struggling to try and figure it out. I think Joshua Dobbs doesn't look bad. I think he's certainly a usable quarterback for the Cardinals right now, but I don't I don't know where to go from here as a team, and it really sucks. We have no identity. We don't have any players we can hang our hat on. Hollywood Brown's contract is up after this year. Do we re-sign him? He's great. We have nothing, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Oh man! I it makes me back, sad back... that you're this sad. Like yeah. I want to make fun no. of you, but you're too sad. You can make fun. I of think me. you should be happier. I think you should be happier. What? You For need to what? be a little happier. For what? Because because look at these teams that are willing to shit the bed to get one guy. And you look look at the Texans. Look at look at the Texans. They were willing to shit the bed. Now like there's a true. there's there's optimism around. That's them. very true. That's very true. Um, I, I think there's most teams have a lot of holes, and I think what Scotty's alluding to is like Cardinals just don't have like as many as we once thought. Like I think there's opportunity to slide somebody in there t- that can be efficient. Maybe there's a guy named Kyler Murray. I don't know. Maybe he's a guy that can help. I don't know. I don't know. But I think. Duty. Well, there's a new one that comes out soon. I, that, <laughs> that's, well, <laughs> see, and that's probably why they're not going to bring him back that's from the public. Delay. That's why. That's smart. Delay thing. That's more that's props for Gannon. I, I, I was happy. I was excited to see that we were in this game, but it also is just frustrating because no matter what the turn, no matter what, like if the Cardinals win a game, if the Cardinals lose a game, I'm just, I'm a frustrated, angry fan. And I don't know where to go from here. I really don't because there's nothing good is, is going to come out of this season. There's nothing for me to get excited about. And I don't even know what the future looks like. And that really sucks too. Like I, I want us to do bad. So I have an, ex- I, I can be more excited about the future because we have higher draft capital. Like that's the one thing I want. So I want us to fail this year. I want us to be shitty. And then we come out and we're like, people are like, well, they're not the worst team in the NFL. It's like, I actually want to be the worst team in the NFL because then that gets me excited about the future for having higher draft capital. So it sucks. It really sucks. But you know who doesn't mm. suck guys? Zach Wilson last night. Zach Wilson last night did not suck, and that sucks for me to say because I have been the biggest hater of Zach Wilson. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely I've said some really mean, terrible things about him. You remember when we used to just call him the MILF hunter and we were all so happy for him? Yeah, because he was just slamming. It was before he started playing. Yeah, he was slamming poon and having fun, and it was great. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, you're just – you're – you're just having sex with your mom's friends. Like, cool for you, man. Like, that's great. But then he started doing shitty, which was shitty for, like, all NFL fans. It was shitty for everybody. It was shitty for the Jets' offense because they had weapons and they weren't really getting utilized because Zach Wilson was shitty. I didn't expect shit from him last night. I was like, I going into this, I was like, man, this is going to be a disgusting game. Nobody cares. Move on. Like, the Chiefs have this in the bag. Zach Wilson came out and played the best game of his career thus far. And it really, like, against the Chiefs, who are not a bad team, obviously. You guys know this because you're Chiefs fans. But, like, I'm not surprised that Patrick Mahomes struggled. And I I do want to talk about that. But I'm not surprised 
at all. I said this going into this game. The Jets have a freaking phenomenal defense. Patrick Mahomes has struggled to get the ball in the receiver's hands, mostly because it's the wide receiver's fault. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see that they struggled. I'm going to be honest with you, gentlemen. I think the Chiefs should have lost this game. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point to make, to be honest with you, because, and I agree with you. I went into this game with a lot of trepidation, which I'm learning now, you know, being a Chiefs fan forever, we didn't have this problem for most of the time, but over the, la- over the last six years or so, um, every single game we go to, I find myself saying, shit, like, if we lose this game, what is it going to look like? And the Jets are one of those teams where it's like a trap game because the Jets are a very, very, very good team. You know, it was it was not too long ago that with just one player swapped out, we were talking about the potential for a Super Bowl. This is a very good team. They have weapons on offense. They have a stellar defense. So going into this game, I was like, well, Patrick Mahomes better have his shit together. Otherwise, this is going to end badly. And he gave he gifted them two interceptions that were like some of the worst thrown balls I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes throw. So I was nervous all the way through. And what you're alluding to, of course, is the refs here, which has just become a common thing for Chiefs fans to deal with now. Um, I'm, I'm getting to the point as a Chiefs fan where – Winning games because of controversial calls is almost worse than losing the game. Like it is, it is, it is so overwhelming the number of people who are just like, "Oh, the NFL's rigged for the Chiefs." Like, there are more conspiracy theorists when it comes to NFL football than politics or anything else. It's crazy. And the the penalty called for defensive holding that brought back the interception was a bullshit call. I mean, it, there was it was that's, very clearly a stupid call. Thank you. That's the that's the one that I ha- it, I wanted to fight on because it was a, it it was a legal contact at bare minimum. Sure, but to sit there and say holding I, that is the only thing that I, I really want to argue with on this, and I, I'm glad that you said that because I'm not a Chiefs fan. You guys think I'm a Chiefs hater. I wanted the Chiefs to win this game. I really did. But to see the Chiefs win in that fashion really disappoints me because I would have rather the Chiefs blew the blew the Jets out by three touchdowns, but. To sit here and the, the fact that we're even having this conversation sucks. And if I was a Chiefs fan, I would say the same thing. I think this sucks. But to sit there and throw the flag as a pass interference, the, the problem that I have with the call is if you want to sit there and call that, is it technically you know, pass interference? Maybe. But you can't tell me that if I turn on a football game and I watch the corners every single time, that shit doesn't happen on every single time play and the reason that it was called is because way after the fact that it happened another d-back jumped up and grabbed the ball out of the air then the flag was thrown that's what i have a problem with if you're going to call that throw the flag when it happens well you're talking about a difference of milliseconds there i i think it was a mistake and the reason it's a mistake is because the game's coming down to the wire it's very clearly a you know ticky tack kind of call and those kind of calls happen. They happen all throughout this game. They happen all throughout every game where there are no calls that should have been called and there were flags thrown that shouldn't have been thrown. But it just seems like, and maybe it's because everyone hates the Chiefs because they've been winning, but it seems like, man, it always picks up a firestorm whenever it happens to the Chiefs. And it's been happening right at the end of these games. And it's just so frustrating to watch. And the other thing too, another, it was a really bad no call holding on the offensive line, Patrick Mahomes run when he picked up a key first down and it was a blatant hold that they missed. And those sorts of things are just becoming like, we could put together a whole highlight reel of the Chiefs with just no calls and bad calls because of how, when they happen in the game. 
And I, th- I think it's also, I think it's also a, we're watching, we're all watching the chiefs play. I think these, these calls happen all over the place. You're kidding yourself. If you think this is a chief's issue, the jets were also given calls that were somewhat suspect where they called the chiefs for a horse collar tackle when he's getting drugged down by his face mask. Now, mm-hmm. if the jets were to win, nobody's going to go back and revisit that call and say, well, that kind of changed the way the jets were able to get down there and score. And that was the difference in scoring. Nobody gives a shit. It's because it's the chiefs. It's because people don't like the chiefs. It's because it happened towards the end of the game and everybody was watching. So everybody's throwing their hands up and saying, well, what the hell this, they should have lost. It's because they want them to lose. And because what you want to have happen didn't happen. You're going to look for reasons for why it didn't happen. And maybe not because you couldn't get the chiefs off the field. Maybe not because Pacheco goes for over a hundred yards and they control the clock in the second half and only need to kick one field goal to do anything. Maybe did the refs fumble the ball for Zach Wilson, or did Zach Wilson fumble the ball for Zach Wilson? The refs. It's easy to point. It's easy to point your fingers and say, "Well, the refs did it." And anybody that says, "Oh, the NFL's rigging the games," you are dumb. You are so dumb because all you are saying is that the NFL doesn't like my team, which makes you even more dumb. Because why is the NFL picking teams? Well, and if it is, why are you even watching? Let's why are you let's even watching? Pivot, let's okay. Let's look at the other side. How much money is the NFL making on all this Taylor Swift bullshit? How much how much publicity is the NFL getting for all this Taylor Swift bullshit? Go look at the NFL Twitter page. I have right a now. fact. I have a fact for you. Okay, bring it if you want to see yeah. it. The Jet the Jets Chiefs game last night was the highest rated TV show since the Super Bowl. Stupid. And it, a, a large part of it I is mean, to cool. two million more. A two million more female viewers were watching. Yeah, the game because last of night. Taylor Swift. So, uh, look, I'm not seriously saying that the the NFL is rigging Chiefs games to win, but like, I'm tired of the Taylor Swift bullshit. I'm going to tell you that. I'm I'm so done with it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it has nothing to do with the NFL. And the fact that the NFL Twitter page is now has Taylor Swift just draped all over it is such a weak and sad excuse for a publicity stunt to try and garner. Like I get it. I understand why you're doing it, and I probably would too if I was the NFL. Move the fuck on. You don't see Sierra getting fucking TV time just because she's supporting her husband, Russell Wilson. Like, let's move on here to football because that's what we're here to do. I'm not here to watch Taylor Swift eat fucking nachos next to Donna Kelsey for 30 minutes out of the game. Like, I don't care. I don't. I thought I thought it was very funny that they kept talking, oh, Donna Kelsey, she's living this great life. She sat next to Taylor Swift and then Jake from State Farm, as if like they're on even <laughs> yes. close to the same level of fame. Which is like, funny. Okay. Like it was so funny yeah. seeing her like and I get that. Like that to me is funny. And the fact that she is able to go to both games and do all that, I love that. But to sit there and like not only that, but it's disgusting for Kelsey and Swift is like people who are in a relationship. Like there's so much like this just adds pressure and bullshit for no reason. Like, let's get back to what we're supposed to be doing here. And it's 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 NFL football. Like, who cares who's in the building? Like, it I, makes it just, you wonder if dumb. like the investment to make the Toy Story game is worth it when all they got to do is just get Taylor Swift to date somebody. Yeah. And then bam, a two million more viewers. Like, what other celebrities are available that we can get in and have date Zach Wilson or whoever the fuck else is the flavor? Like Justin Herbert. Like, who cares? It's just it's stupid and it's frustrating, but that's that's all I got on the on the Chiefs. I don't know if you guys have anything else as as our Chiefs fans. Do you have anything else that you'd like to mention before we move on? Um, I, the only thing I will mention is if Zach Wilson can play like that, I look at maybe uh, the Jets wide receivers just a little differently if he can do that consistently. Sure. I don't know if it was just the situation. You know, you kind of get up for the big games. Is he going to be able to do that at no, at noon on a Sunday? 
you know, in somewhere else when not very many people are watching and you have to get yourself up for the game. And that's not like a Sunday night football. Cause I think we've seen that also, like you're going to get, you're going to give the best shot to the teams that deserve it. And it, I think for me, it's now, can that be replicated? Which we'll see. I'm going to ask but you a question. It, he could do it. I'm going to ask you a question. That's pretty gross. Do you start him next week against Denver or Joe Burrow next week against the Cardinals? <laughs> oh my gosh well i can't can't go against my own word i already said you got to start whoever's playing against the broncos so i guess i gotta start zach, zach wilson. wilson next week i mean honestly like if if he can continue to play the way that he did last night good for the jets i just i i've seen zach wilson suffer and put people through suffering for the last two years <laughs> that for me it's just like i don't think he's got it and then he he finally showed me like Maybe he does, and I'm not gonna. I I I can't trust him in a starting lineup. If if there was a week to do it, it's this upcoming week against the Broncos. Mm. So I will say that. Well, and the the last thing on this is the thing about Zach Wilson that makes him so disgusting is how well equipped this offense is. Right, there are weapons everywhere on this offense. So theoretically, this should be a 49ers situation where you can just plug and play literally anybody and they can find some level of success in this offense, but he hasn't. But that also kind of makes you a little bit more optimistic. Like, well, if the conditions are right and, you know, the stars align, Zach Wilson could be a serviceable quarterback and could get these weapons some touches. And we saw that against the Chiefs. So the question just becomes, is he able to compound this? You know, This offense is actually a relatively simple one when it comes to other offenses in the league. He's really, you know, the, the announcers did a great job going through this. His job is to go through, look at target A. If it's not there, look at target B. If not, run. That's all this offense is. It's a very quick, fast-paced offense where you don't have to make a lot of decisions. And if he is capable of doing just that, th- these excuse me, these wide receivers could be a lot more useful for fantasy, but we're going to have to see it first. Bill Belichick. Let's move over to this Dallas game. I don't have a lot I want to talk about, but I briefly want to just mention this. The Dallas Cowboys handed Sir Billiam Belichick his biggest loss of the Billy era. His biggest loss of the Cowboys defense was pissed from the Arizona game. Maybe they came in and said, fuck you, Bill Belichick. I think more than anything else, it's Mac Jones is terrible. But I bring all this up because I want to ask you this question. Bill Belichick is is known as one of the best coaches in the NFL, this and that. He's had so many Super Bowl successful runs, but all that was under Tom Brady. Is Bill Belichick on the hot seat to either retire or get fired from the Patriots? Or is he a lifer because of what he's done? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's any chance he gets fired. I think if he leaves, it's because he wants to leave for one reason or another. Um, The way you have to look at the Patriots is their situation is bad, but removing Bill Belichick from the equation will only hurt them. Sure. Like there, there is there is nothing positive to come from that move. So unless he chooses to leave, he's there for the long haul. Their offense. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, Alan. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're you're just gonna say what I was gonna say. Their offense. Like, look at the the teams of old uh, that he won with those Patriot teams. Those are defensive focused teams. He just happened to have a generational talent at quarterback to fall into his lap to help mitigate. And do with the offense and and those offensive teams weren't lighting it up aside from even you know the randy moss team so i think right now it's just these are the teams he should be having like 
he just he just happened to have a great quarterback that was able to smooth things over and he provided that great quarterback with a you know all pro defense that's gonna you know help allow him that quarterback to make mistakes and now you just have this quarterback in play now that just is not allowing you to do that i think it's just the formula he needs to have a top tier quarterback manning that offense that way it can just mosey along score 20 25 points boom get a victory and that's on if you look back at those a majority of those patriots teams that's what they were doing yeah yeah they've got no weapons on offense at all no but they, like, they there's nobody it. and they haven't done anything to really like bolster it either and mac jones has not looked good to add like fuel to the fire so like maybe he kind of gets a little bit of pressure to, to try and retire i don't know but this patriots team just does not look good and it hasn't since Tom Brady really left. So I don't know. I just, I wanted to bring that up because like I mentioned, he did, he got his ass handed to him by the Cowboys, which was, was kind of sad to see. So, um, all right, gentlemen, let's get over to our brain busters. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, baby, we are back. We are doing our mailbag segment. So if anybody has any questions that are watching over on YouTube or Facebook or wherever the hell you're watching us at, put your comments in over at YouTube and we will answer your questions. And don't forget to hit subscribe. We do greatly appreciate it. First question comes from Duffy with a little smiley face. That's cute. What's the move with Jonathan Jonathan Taylor? Should I trade him? Well, news just came out today that uh, he will be coming off the pup list, gentlemen, and it looks like he could be back as early as this week. Do you trade for him is the question from Duffy. That's a really tough spot. I I just, given all the drama that's happened, it's so difficult. You know, we could be so optimistic all the way up until game time and then find out that Jonathan Taylor says, fuck you guys, I'm not playing another down for you. So it's just very, very difficult. I, I think... Maybe you trade for him if you are in desperate need. Um, but at this point in time, I'm kind of just like taking a hands-off approach. Like I don't I don't want to be the one holding the bag when I sell my soul for Jonathan Taylor and all of a sudden he's not playing the rest of the year because of contract issues. I'm willing to risk it for the biscuit. I mean, that's where I'm at. Like Zach Moss has been a great fill-in, um, but I, I don't uh, – obviously – He's not going to be there long term um, if Taylor is playing. So, yeah, I would look to trade for him if you can right now because the running back market is so desolate. I'm gonna, I would risk it, and I understand exactly. your concern, Scotty. Like, I get it, and I think that's a that's a fair concern. But given the state of the running back market right now, when the usability for fantasy, I would be looking to target John Taylor myself. And it sounds like you agree. Is that fair to say, Alan? Uh, I definitely agree for the reasons you just said. The running back market is shit. Okay. I'm about to have to start one of my kids. Um, oh, no. Uh, Yeti asks, should we sell high on Justin Fields and Komet? The answer is yes. I would 100% be selling yeah. high right now. That is something that um, I would look to do immediately. Next question comes from Squishy Ducky. Falcons to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think you are smoking something delicious. And uh... if, it's, if it's in Andy's bedroom, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you are the Falcons and you, the other opponent is a three-year-old. Um, JJ Keats, appreciate the question, man. Thank you. Welcome back. ETN or Jones, rest of season. I don't know which Jones he's referring to. Probably Aaron. That's probably a good guess. Packers. Yeah, that's probably. He probably means Packers. Aaron Jones. Yeah. Um, shit. 
I want to say ETN, man, but I just... I would go ETN. Yeah, I th- ETN's definitely got the upside. It's just this Jags offense has looked so rough to start the season. Um, but ETN, I mean, he's seen the usage. He's He's got PPR value, and he doesn't have A.J. Dillon stealing his touches at the goal line. So, to me, I think ETN's the upside play. Aaron Jones is reliable to a degree, but ultimately I think ETN's, ETN's the one to go with. Yeah, I think I'd also go ETN on that one, my friend. Um, next question comes from Ray Gamer. Would you trade away Hawkinson, Moss, Christian Watson, and Damian Pierce for Devontae Adams and Swift? His RBs would be Barkley, Montgomery, and Swift, with the wide receivers being Olave, Metcalf, and Adams. Standard scoring. We got a bone to pick there. Ugh, gross. Who's, who plays in standard? What are we doing? Leagues? That's crazy. Ugh. Maybe it's just a really old, like, long Who's his kicker? Like, <laughs> Haven't started. What kicker is he going to start? Um, yeah, I would do that. Zach Moss is about to potentially get JT back. Christian Watson is trash. Maybe, maybe would not. Depending upon Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I would do that trade. Actually, Swift and Adams look great. Um, what? Who's doing this trade? Someone who hasn't played fantasy football. I would do that. You're so you're getting Adams and Swift, and you only have to give up. Don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care. Well, Hawkinson's a maybe care, but beyond that, yeah, like I, yeah, I would give me the one of the best wide receivers in the league who can still put up anything in the. Doesn't it make you wish that backs. like you were in some of these leagues sometimes? Yeah, what is this league? I want to get in. How much is it? I don't know, but I would be in that as well. Yeah, I would do that in heartbeat. Ray, Ray, do it. Ray asks another question here. I have four different <laughs> trades for Waddle. Jesus, Moss, Christian Watson, <laughs> oh, Christian Kirk for Waddle. Moss Pierce, buddy. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. Just go over to our Twitter page and DM us, and we will answer your question there because this is just a lot to read. But I do really. Appreciate I wouldn't trade Waddle for any of that. I read it really quick. Okay. I wouldn't trade Waddle for any of that. Okay. Well, okay. There's your answer. Thank you, Alan. I uh, I appreciate that. I can't read that fast. I'm real slow. You're so welcome. Um. Okay. Waiver wires, and then we're going to get the hell out of here, gentlemen. Uh, there's a couple people. This is waiver wire ads and drops. So I want to quickly just pick your guys' brain on Kareem Hunt as the as a, a potential drop. So is this really Jerome Ford's backfield? There's there's some questions here. Obviously, Kareem Hunt just signed with the team two weeks ago, um, so he didn't play last week. This was his first week back with the team. Um, he went five for twelve on a twenty-two percent snap count, while Jerome Ford went nine for twenty-six on the ground. He saw five out of six targets. Is what he he saw six targets, caught five for nineteen yards, and Ford had a sixty-two percent snap count. Are we going to drop Cream Hunt? Probably. Okay. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of relegated to the same situation he was in before he left the team initially. Where if there's an injury or something, okay, he can be usable. But right now, I mean an up week for him is going to be 10 carries. I mean, you're, you're talking about relatively minimal upside for Kareem Hunt. And I do think it's Ford's backfield to lose. I mean, Kareem Hunt left the team. They, they put their trust in Ford as the backup. Um, he's been playing relatively well. Um, so I think it's Ford's backfield to lose unless something changes. And e- honestly, even if it does, you're looking at a timeshare. It's, it's never going to be Kareem Hunt's backfield barring injury. So I, I think unless you, are like really hurting at running back and you're just looking for any straws to pull. Um, yeah, I think you can drop cream hunt. Okay. Uh, Michael Wilson, wide receiver for the Cardinals. What up, baby? 
He's six uh, percent owned. He's probably going to be a hot waiver wire target this year or this week. Um, I've been really excited about this guy in dynasty formats. He is a really big body wide receiver. He was a ro- he is a rookie this year to kind of help replace DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he went seven for seven for seventy six and two touchdowns. That's a lot of sevens. Um, and he uh, he was on a seventy percent snap count. So um, yeah, I mean he's on the field. The 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 question that you're going to struggle with is can the Cardinals get it done? Now, obviously, Hollywood Brown is the wide receiver one for them, but Wilson has – I think he's earning himself more and more of a role on this team, and rightly so because we are so depleted at wide receiver. Um, his targets the last four weeks have been 4, 3, 2, and 7. So I, I don't want to say go spend a shit ton of fab on him. I would be willing to take the dart throw as, as maybe like a set and let's see what happens kind of guy. So that's how I view him. Right. The waivers are starting to get desolate because it's that time of year. So I bring <laughs> this up as – Maybe you spend five, ten bucks on him to just kind of set him there and see what happens. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I think, yeah, I think it's appropriate. You know, the Cardinals spent a third round pick on him, and that's typically that's. I mean, that's still value rounds. Like you're still getting impact guys there. It's not like you, you, if you draft somebody, you want them to be an impact. But I think even that high, you're looking for there's some upside there that you're playing with. And I think you know, week four is about appropriate for you know somebody like uh, Michael Wilson, and I think. I think you do. I think it's appropriate. I think you wait and see what this turns into because I do like his size, and I think this is about an appropriate time for him to start showing some returns. 6'2", 213 yeah. is his size. Yeah, so. in, in Dynasty, I'm definitely not opposed to it. With an eight um, penis. <laughs> uh, nice. I really do think that, you know, even if you're looking at starting players right now, Hollywood Brown is still like a, oh, God, do I have to kind of player. And I don't see Michael Wilson taking over a role for Hollywood anytime soon. So probably for the rest of this year, I'm not going to be real high on him as far as just adding him onto your bench and dynasty leagues and seeing how he develops. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. Everybody's hurting at certain times. We got bye weeks coming up. So stash him if you need him. Um, next up here, Jaleel McLaughlin. I know everybody's sitting here saying, who in the hell is Jaleel McLaughlin? He is a rookie running back for the Broncos. Javante Williams got injured and is going to miss some time. McLaughlin is 2% owned. He is going to be a waiver wire target this week, but I'm here to tell you, boys, I'm not buying it. So um, if you want to spend like a couple dollars, don't spend high money on him because I don't think this is his backfield. He had a great week, and I think that's why a lot of people are excited about him. But he he had a great week for fantasy. He didn't really have a, a wonderful week for NFL. I mean, he went seven for 72. That's great. That's great. But the bears are also shit. So let's point that out. And then he went three for three and saw a touchdown through the air. So he played 33% of the snap counts without Javante Williams here. I do expect this to be more of a Samaje P Ryan esque backfield. That's what they got P Ryan for. And in fact, P Ryan actually outtouched McLaughlin or saw the field more than McLaughlin rather um, 33% for McLaughlin and 46 for P Ryan. So don't spend all your fab on this guy is what I came to tell you. That's that's really it. Um, next up is C.J. Stroud. We've talked about him all episode. You need to go get this guy if you are struggling at quarterbacks. If you own Joe Burrow, you need to go check to see if C.J. Stroud is there. He's only 55% owned, gentlemen, and he's quarterback 10 on the year. Wild. And he is looking like a really safe quarterback to own at this point. So, And as I mentioned earlier in the show, he has a really favorable schedule. So I think C.J. Stroud could be one of those guys where you feel comfortable starting uh, if you don't have a, a top five quarterback i think he certainly can be in that conversation so Stroud's only 55 percent owned. go check him out uh devin a chain it's a chain a chain we say a chain because it's cooler 
He's 90% owned, but I just say this, go get him, go look. It doesn't hurt. I know a lot of us are in a lot of fantasy leagues. Just go check and see if he's available in any of those leagues because he is going to be the running back for the for the Dolphins. Raheem Mostert currently is, but it's it's looking very quickly like uh, A-Chain's about to come in and take that rollover. He's pretty much owned in most leagues, but go look. doesn't hurt to try, and I just want to say that as a, a friendly. Go check it out. Next up, quarterback Joshua Dobbs. He's another guy that I, I really wanted to, to just bring up. Uh, he is the, the fill-in quarterback for the Cardinals. Um, he's actually doing, doing pretty well, gentlemen. He's not doing bad. The last three weeks, he's put up 25, 17, and 23 points in fantasy leagues. So if we're not counting week one because he did really, really poorly. But, I mean, he did really bad. Like, he put up If you remove the data that doesn't support the argument, it's a great argument. It was his first game as a starter. <laughs> it was his first game as a starter. If we don't oh, include week no. one, Dobbs is quarterback six on the year. and he said, If we don't include a fourth of the games he's played, he's been pretty good. Well, that was the first game. Now, if we're talking like week three and he does that, then I think we're fine. But with this being his first career NFL start, I'll give him a little leeway for him to come in and then do what he's doing right now. I, I All of this to say, I'm not saying start him, but if you're in a desperate quarterback situation, I don't think he's a bad grab. And he's one that not a lot of people are going to talk about. So... I just want to bring that up because he's actually looking somewhat usable. Last one here that I just want to bring up. If you do not have Zach Ertz, go pick him up. Go pick him up. I've been saying this every single week. He's only 36% rostered. Yes, he's not in the t- the top 10 tight end. I think he's tight end 11 on the season. I just want to share mm. with everybody his target share. That is paramount for a tight end. In week one. 10 targets. Week two, eight targets. Week three, two targets. That was when Scotty and I made our bet. And he knew it. And so he didn't really want to get targeted. But then this week, he saw 10 targets. This dude is getting hyper-targeted. I, I didn't have enough time to do the math to look at the, the his target share through four weeks. But it is incredible for a tight end. If your tight end is getting 10, even eight targets a game, you are excited about that. Go pick up Zach Ertz. Go pick him up. If he would have had a touchdown in any of these things, he would have easily been a top 10 tight end, and he would be much more rostered right now. He is a value play. Go get him, please. That's all. Um, hey, Scotty. Scotty, what other Cardinals can we mention here to pick up? Yeah, I don't know. I think we, we ran the out show. of them. Uh, just, Rondell Moore. Just, if you haven't we, picked up Rondell Moore, go pick up Rondell Moore. He's coming off injury. That's actually a serious one. But, we can but, talk about how we discussed that James Conner's matchup proof, and then he decides yeah. to go put up five points this week. What do you week. think about that, Alan? <laughs> Well, it seems like the Cardinals have it out for us. They must listen to the podcast because every sure time we say something positive in their favor, so now all the players you just mentioned are going to shit the bed. God damn, that's the whole team. If there's We've a, talked about everyone. If, <laughs> if there's anybody for you to go, I just realized, I didn't realize we uh, there was three Cardinals players on here. It's just because it's that time of year and everything's so desolate and they're like, well, the Cardinals are there. But seriously, Zach Ertz would be the one I would be targeting out of any of these guys. Zach Ertz would be the guy I would be targeting. If you own Kyle Pitts right now, Drop his ass to the fucking floor and go pick up Zach Ertz because at the very least Ertz is getting targets and Ertz is well. And the other thing to consider is with with their uh, schedule coming up, they played the two most difficult defenses right there in a row, and so it's only going to get better from here as far as their offensive productivity. So I think Zach Ertz is definitely in the streaming conversation when Thank those you. when those matchups come up Thank for sure. I appreciate that. All right, gentlemen, quick question, and then we're getting out of here. Monday Night Football it is about to start here very very soon. Giants Seahawks. I've got the Seahawks winning this. I think Vegas does too. You guys both agree with that? Or are you taking the Giants? I'm taking the Giants because oh, of bias. I have so oh, many nice. shares of Daniel Jones and Darren Waller. I just need them to do literally freaking anything. So 
out of nothing but pure hope to the gods, I want the Giants I'll, to win this I'll, game. I'll join Scotty's little desperation boat. I don't really have a dog in the fight, but I'll 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 drown. I'll, I'll I want be the, in that boat as it sinks. Okay, that's uh, yeah. I. I want to watch it sink from the shore where I'm safe and dry, but I do want the Giants to keep it interesting because anybody who owns DK Metcalf is hoping for uh, a couple extra points on the top. And that's where I'm at. So I was going to say, is that you? That's me. That's 100% me. <laughs> that's me. All right, boys. I appreciate you guys doing this. We'll do it again next week. Let's get the hell out of here. We Wait, we're doing it on Wednesday. Well, yeah. But Yeti and I are. You guys aren't going to be here. Okay, oh, it's just okay. a plug. Listen to the show on Wednesday. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, listen to it on Wednesday. I'll be here Wednesday. Join me and Yeti as we uh, traverse the upcoming week five. I love you guys. Go follow us on all the things. Subscribe. I love you guys. Subscribe. I love you guys. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.